0: This is episode 376 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today we're going to talk about health promoting behavior that feels damn good. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show, the only podcast that teaches you how to reshape your mind, not your body, to make your life better, bigger, and bolder. Your undieted life. I'm your host, Stephanie Dozier, reformed dieter, nutritionist, and coach. You ready? Let's do this. Hello, my sisters, and welcome back to the podcast. I want to talk about health promoting behavior because I'm writing an entire program about health habits, post diet culture. And the stuff I'm creating is so damn good that I decided to grab my mic and record a short episode for you on this concept of health promoting behavior, because I believe there's a lot of misunderstanding around health behavior. And these misunderstandings are actually what is causing us to be on and off of our habits that we know makes us feel damn good you know that's what I hear so often with my clients is that they know that doing x y and z makes them feel good like in the deeper part of themselves like I call it at the DNA level they know that going for a walk that cooking a recipe of homemade soup makes them feel good but for some unknown reason they can't quote-unquote stick with it that's what I hear the most I know it makes me feel good but I don't know why I can't stick with it and here's what I want you to know before we get into the detail of this episode it's not you if that is like a representation of how you're feeling about your habits, you're not alone, and it's not your fault. In fact, that's where I was for decades, right? And it started for me very young, because I have degrees in health science, in nutrition, and not only was that I receive the same socialization message as you, as a woman living in wellness culture and diet culture, but I also went to grad school and got teacher were supposed to be at the top of their field, confirming the messages that I was receiving at home and at school that health is about your weight and it's your physical health, and it's about your nutrition, right? It's about what you eat. It's about how much you move your body. And all I heard through all my degrees was physical health. So not knowing that health was way beyond my physical body, that, yeah, health is physical, but that's 25% of what my health is. I didn't care for the other part of it. And that, me not knowing about the other part of what health is, led me to not taking any action or consideration for the impact that my mental health, my emotional health, my spiritual health had on my ability to do the health-promoting behavior like moving my body and eating more vegetables. Like I didn't know. And that's what led me to struggle. Right? When we think about another big factor is and I know for me, that was huge. It was that health that the most important aspect of my health was physical. And it was how much I weigh. Like this was the thing my body weight that had the most impact on my health. And that led me to use food and exercise as a means to try to impact my health. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I did what I thought was best. And that led me to years of seeing exercise, not as helping me feel better in my mental health, helping me feel better in my emotional health, but strictly focused on controlling my body weight. And when the body weight, quote unquote, didn't get to where it was supposed to be, because either I didn't lose weight or I was gaining weight or I was, quote unquote, plateauing, then the interest in moving my body wasn't there. In fact, it was more resentment. Like, why is damn, this damn thing not working for my health? Thinking my health was only my weight. And that led me to me only seeing exercise as a way of controlling my body weight, and being on enough for, quote unquote, decades, literally for 25 years. And here's the other big thing. And I'm pretty sure that many of you will resonate with this. I was led to believe. And that was so ingrained in me with my degrees that health was a place to achieve. It was a number to achieve, like a place to be. And once I achieve it, it was like wearing, like achieving a gold medal. Like I had to work and do very specific thing to achieve these number, these blood marker, these status marker. And once I was going to get to that place of, quote-unquote, perfect health, I was going to naturally lose weight. So in my head, I was never healthy enough because I wasn't shedding the, quote-unquote, unnatural weights. And when I did, in between, like... The multiple time where I lost weight when I lost the weight I still wasn't perfectly healthy so no matter how little did I weigh I thought it was never enough I could keep going I could keep going for literally hours of all my stories around health and I bet you, you guys if we were to sit around a coffee chatting together we could go on for days between all of us's stories around health so here's what I'm proposing we do for the rest of this episode we're going to talk about like shift that mainly in our belief that we need to make as former dieter former health obsessed women who were in diet culture and wellness culture What shift do we need to make in our beliefs, in the way we see, think, and act towards our health in order for us to do engage for a lifelong journey in health-promoting behavior? You ready? Here's the number one shift I believe we all need to make. Ready to do this? Let's go. The shift number one that we all should embrace, in my opinion, is that our health is more than our physical body. The World Health Organization agrees with me. It defines health as a state of physical, mental, and social well-being, not merely the absence of disease and physical symptoms. So the biggest organization that, that unites countries around the world and a lot of specialists around health agree that health is more than physical. So as people who have been deeply ingrained as socialized that we are our body as women, that's a shift that we need to make in our belief system. We are more than a physical body. We are a mental body. We are an emotional body. And yes, we are a physical body. And we are a spiritual body. Now, how the spiritual body is expressed is different based on your personal belief around spirituality. But one thing is for sure. When we think of our spiritual body, It's our beliefs about life, about our humanness. It's our belief either about God, spirituality, the universe, and the fact that we are not alone. That belief, when we engage in our spirituality and we recognize that our spiritual body contributes to our health, is knowing that there's a greater purpose for us being here and that we are not alone, that we have the universe or God supporting us. That makes a tremendous impact on the other body, on our mental health. It reduces stress. It reduces anxiety. It reduces the overthinking pattern of hypervigilance. When we think we are alone... That there's no greater purpose of us being here we're constantly looking out for danger because we're alone right we're not part of a greater story so it creates a ton of thought pattern that turns in as we know our thought creates our emotion so these thought pattern creates overwhelm in our emotional body and we know by science that our emotion impact our physical health. Like, just think about stress, right? When we have a thought that we are in danger, that we are alone, that something is wrong, travels through our central nervous system, creates sensation, alter our hormones and our neurochemicals in our brain to react to the danger, to the stress right? The, let's just talk about the hormones of cortisol. Cortisol is created when we think about danger in order to make us react, I'm going to flip my finger here, faster in order to get out of the way of the threats, right? Of what is dangerous for us. But we also know that cortisol also affect the thyroid hormone, for an example, right? It affects the neurotransmitter in our brain, that makes us feel more depressed, right? So there's a slew of consequence of our spiritual, mental, and emotional body that impacts our physical body. So when people, I remember for me, every time I went to see a practitioner, I was always told, your cortisol level is too high. And, and then the solution, was to restrict my diet more, to take more supplements, to do an hour of meditation. At one point, I was even doing two hours of meditation a day, and one in the morning and one at night, in hope to reduce my cortisol level. Meanwhile, I was overthinking about how terrible my body was for not being able to maintain its weight and how terrible I was for a person for not being able to control myself and many other things like money and career and job and business like I was in the constant loop of overthinking in vast majority I was creating the cortisol that was being tested in my body as high through my thoughts and my belief but I had no tools. I didn't know that one plus one equal two. And I didn't know what to do with all those. So I thought they were real. So if we can all make this shift that we are more than our physical body, we are 25, 25, 25, 25, then you can look current health promoting habit and say, are they equally spread across based on how much time I have in my life based on how much resources is available to me am I supporting my mental health my emotional health my spiritual health and my physical health equally instead of overly focused on just physical health here's the shift number two that I want to propose to all of us our definition of health so what is health that is the Second most important thing I want you to take away from this podcast. And contrary to what wellness culture and diet culture may have taught you, number one, health is not a moral obligation. Just like being a certain body size is not a moral obligation, neither. And it's not a moral virtue. You thinking that because you work harder for your health and you are quote unquote healthier than someone else, you are a better person of someone else, that can cause a lot of mental, emotional despair because the moment where you are not capable to hit that better status, just like when you're not able to be thin for whatever reason then you think something is wrong with you and you feel terrible about yourself because you're not quote unquote working hard enough to be as healthy as you can and being as thin as you can. It's a loop you get in. The health is not a moral obligation. Now, I know as I say this because I've been teaching this for long enough and I've seen faces of women when I tell them, health is not a moral obligation. It's almost like I'm telling them that the our planet or the earth planet is not round. It's a shocker. But I want to invite you to consider this. And here's why I want to invite you to consider this. What we know in science to be the main influencer of your health is in fact not in your control what I see you and I hear you but it is true in the show notes I have linked to a visual representation of what I'm about to teach you it's called the social determinant of health it's from an organization called going I highly recommend that you go click the show note and go and look at this visual which very scientifically looked at what influence human health and broke it down in five main categories. So I'm going to quickly go over that. 7% of what influence our health is our environment, right? The pollution, the quality of our hair, tobacco use, exposure to toxic chemicals, water quality, which really is not in our control. We live where we live. The second category is medical care. So, access to medical care, and this varies greatly country by country. And that varies greatly by country. So, access to health care, the distance, the financial resources in order for the individual to access Alkit. And then the quality of medical care based on often financial resources, the quality of insurance that people are, that have access to based on their social and economical status, none in our control. The third big bucket, I think you've heard about this one probably many times, is our genetic and our biology. Let me give you two example of that are genes and our bodily structure. In my family, we have a gene that activate a disease called the Paget disease. And 90% of my father's family is affected by gene and have the Paget disease. It's a bone condition. And We are one of the most affected family in North America. And thus far, I've been tested. I do not have the gene, and the the gene is in me, but it's not activated. And I go for testing every five years, but there's nothing I can do that would control the activation of that gene. From a bodily structure, I was born with a curvature in my spine and it's not accentuated enough to have a surgery. So it is something I have to live with, but there's nothing I can do to correct the curvature in my spine. So it's out of my control. Let's move on to the fourth buckets of what influence our health, which is our social circumstance, right? Our race. Our ethnicity and where we're born based on our race and our ethnicity has a lot to do with our access to health care the quality of our environment the type of gene pool we're born into our sexual orientation our gender expression have a lot to do with economical status and our therefore our access to health care our culture our religious belief that from a lineage in our family the social circumstance in most cases are not under our control but they have a 25% impact on the expression of our health and I'm going to go to the last one which is called health behavior typically as soon as I see this people's like that's it like this is how you can control your health food and exercise okay Let's explore what science and research consider individual behavior. Individual behavior is, yes, nutrition and exercise, but that's less than 15% of the 36%. And again, there, based on your social economical status, based on where you're born physically, you may not have resources for you to eat fresh food and vegetables every day. And this is in North America, people. Don't think I'm talking about countries far away from here. We're talking about places that are supposedly of higher economical status. There is people who do not have access to fresh food. There is people who have to work two jobs in order to just make minimum revenue. Do they have the time to go spend in a gym? Do they have the money to buy classes, a membership when they literally work 80 hours a week? So again, even in what is controllable, the 15% of food and exercise that is in our quote unquote control All the other factors have a huge part to play in these behavior being accessible to us. Also included in individual behavior is gun control, sexual activity, car accident, right? You could be driving a car doing your thing and being hit by someone else. And then you end up having a lot of health issue resulting from that. How can you control that? but it's within the category of individual behavior. So once you understand the social determinant of health, you can really sit with this notion of health being a moral obligation and say, not at all. It's not. So when you put health as something you can decide to engage in or not, that it's not a moral virtue, a significance of your work, then you put yourself in a place of power. You can then actively decide if it's not something that you have to do, but something you choose to engage into. And that's going to bring me to my third shift. And this one was very powerful for me health is a state of adaptation it's a state of adaptation that allows us to adequately cope with all the demands of our daily life health is a resource not a state of being and it's a constant flow it's not supposed to be linear it's not supposed to be graded on a scale (laughs) it's a resource it's a state of adaptation we can decide to support or not that allows us to live the life that we want to live so for an example this comes into play in our motivator that we use when we're thinking about behavioral changes which I'll come to next we need to think about what are we going to use as a motivator in order for us to engage in our health promoting habits. And for me, here's our three motivators that I have. The effort I decide to put towards my health promoting behavior allows me to live the life that I want, which is a life that combines being home with my family and traveling the world. And when I travel, I want to be able to walk around museum. I want to be able to walk around town and discover history and discover people's culture. I want to be able to stand on my feet for hours. And with, for someone like me with a scoliosis, that is something I have to work towards. Because if I don't reinforce certain muscle in my body because of my scoliosis, this ability to walk for five, 10 kilometers will be very, very difficult. I don't have to change it, but I decide, I've decided about five years ago to specifically train my body to support my muscle in my back so that I can walk when I travel, because traveling is how I want to live my life right now. Here's the last motivator that I have, which is my role as a leader in the non-diet movement. My mental health and my emotional health is of great importance to me to create the courage to say the things that I say on my podcast, when I write, when I teach, to be counterculture, to make big, bold statement that supports women's choices. And in order for me to create that courage, to create that resilience to be a leader in this community, I have to support my mental and emotional health. These are the reason why I choose to invest my resources, my time, my finances, in order for me to engage in very specific health-promoting behavior, so that I can experience as much as it is available to me, the life that I want. So when you can shift about thinking of health as a state of adaptation for you to live the best possible life that is accessible to you, then you also create motivation intrinsic motivation for you to alter and change if you choose to your health-promoting behavior. So these are the main shift that we need to make in our belief system in order for us to create health-promoting behavior and to feel damn good about doing those health-promoting behavior. And when we are thinking about behavioral changes, like going, for me, going from someone who hated exercise and it was a drag and a dread to be someone who enjoy functional movement, strength training, that's a behavioral change. And the most powerful action in order to create those behavioral shifts doesn't come from more willpower and self-discipline, contrary to what diet culture has taught us, but from from shifting our beliefs about health and about why we're engaging in in health-promoting behavior and creating thoughts that are supportive of those beliefs and an emotional state, a motivated, a self-motivated state that will enable us to willingly to enjoy taking action towards our health. Now, I created a podcast episode almost a year ago, podcast 341, How to Create Health Habit. I went into the depth of cognitive behavioral changes and what you need to do. I taught you three steps on how to change your habits. So I would recommend that you give this episode a listen. We're going to link it in the show notes as well, if you're like, but how do I do? How do I go about changing my health habits? That's a great podcast for you. And I also want to invite you to join us inside of Health Habit School, Within Undiet Your Life. So, if listening to this podcast live, Health Habit School will begin on October 15th, 2023, and will go on for approximately six weeks, where we will focus all of our resources within the Undiet Your Life program, our coaching calls, our classes, our workshop. We're gonna have a bunch of very specific classes on how to approach behavioral changes and what to look for and what to consider and what happens when you want to quit and how to go about changing our behavior completely differently than what we did when we were co-opting diet culture or wellness culture. So I'm inviting you to join us to learn how to change your behavior without focusing on the size of your pants and how to create new behavior that have nothing to do with weight loss but instead that focus on you supporting your health so you can create your best life so it's a completely different approach to help promoting behavior and to habit formation that I think is unfortunately essential to all women who have been indoctrinated and socialized to diet culture and wellness culture in their life because we have learned notions and beliefs about health and about even creation of habit that rely on being mean to ourselves and being critical and using willpower that work until they don't work. So we have to relearn, unlearn, and relearn a completely different new way of thinking about health and thinking about habit formation. That's what we're going to do to your life program. You're going to get Health Habit School, and you're going to get all the other courses and tracks that are also available within Undiet Your Life. And all our life coaching classes as well. So we're going to link in the show notes to the Undiet Your Life program for you to go and check it out. We spent a year together within that program, changing our habits, changing the way we trust ourselves, changing the way we think about ourselves, mainly related to our body image. And then we have a bunch of supportive classes to help you create your best life. And if you're listening to this, let's say in 2024, you will be able also to get access to Habit School because we record all the classes and we upload them in your student portal. So anytime you're listening to this, maybe even in November 2023, like, oh, my God, like, where was this for me all along? I just found a way that I can change my habit. You can come and join us. All the classes will be recorded and they'll be available in a new module called Health Habit School within Undiet Your Life. And you can access it, join us and get support through our biweekly coaching call on the implementation at your individual level of your own health behavior. So I hope this podcast is supportive and also inspirational for you to consider how to shift your beliefs around health so you can support your health and live your best life. I love you, my sister, and I'll see you on the next episode. If you are loving what you're learning on the podcast, you have to come and check out Undiet Your Life. This is where we get to hang out together, where you get the individual help applying the concept thought on the podcast. While learning new coaching tool that will make your life even more amazing. It's also where you get to apply the learning to think better, eat better, and feel better. And create your undieted life, your better, bigger, and bolder life. Go to stephaniedoze.com forward slash join. I'd love to have you join us inside of Undiet Your Life, and I'll see you on the other side.